As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, we have two games left in this 2020 49ers season. And as one would expect out of this 2020 year, it just got a lot weirder. The 49ers are in ultimate quarterback chaos now. Jimmy Garoppolo, yes, he is practicing again. So there are videos of Jimmy Garoppolo practicing you know, no brace, anything on, but he's not expected to play, and I don't think he's even expected to play in Week 17. So I would not count on Jimmy Garoppolo being back this season. That being said, the really weird part of all this is that he's practicing in front of State Farm Stadium in Arizona next to Josh Rosen, the Cardinals' first-round draft pick from just 2.5 years ago. He's now the 49ers' backup quarterback, and it's C.J. Beathard who's going to start on Saturday against the Cardinals. And C.J. Beathard hasn't started since he faced Arizona at the very same stadium that the 49ers are staying at right now and will play in on Saturday. That's where C.J. Beathard started in 2018 before he was replaced by Nick Mullins. And the opposing quarterback, the winner in that game, was Josh Rosen. So I hope everybody's kept track of all this craziness going on. But, Matt, what a fitting – you know, every fireworks show has a grand finale, right? Well, this is the 2020 fireworks show grand finale for the 49ers. Josh Rosen on the team as C.J. Beathard gets the start again against Arizona with Jimmy Garoppolo watching. Yeah, what, a, what an appropriate ending to this, this season. Um, so going back to your, your timeline there, um, Beathard's last start came in 2018, and, and he was replaced by – Nick Mullins in the next game. It was that famous game against the Raiders where he threw three touchdowns and looked uh, terrific. So why was Beathard replaced? Well, he got hurt in the Cardinals game. Uh, he came out of that game, uh, four sacks, eight quarterback hits. He had uh, a thumb injury. He had a wrist injury. He couldn't grip a football. Uh, remember that uh, that Raiders game was on a Thursday, so the 49ers had to scramble back then and insert Mullins, little-known Mullins, into the the lineup. But my point is that, um, you know, Beathard takes a lot of hits, and this offensive line hasn't gotten a lot better since 2018, all of which means that, you know, this Josh Rosen storyline, you know, he could easily go into the game on Saturday. 
that is not an implausible scenario given um, Beathard's history of of not being real fast to get rid of the ball and this 49ers offensive line's uh, sieve-like nature uh, over the past few years. So I hope Josh Rosen has taken uh, notes, and I hope he's a quick learner because, Dennis, he could get into this game on Saturday. Yeah, and it intrigues me a little bit. And, you know, when I heard the news about Josh Rosen, I I was just thinking – I kind of watched him when he was at UCLA. And if I remember correct, he came out with a pretty, pretty good core of quarterbacks at draft class. And he was the one that was supposedly be the best transition from college to pros because he was that pocket passer and, you know, he depended on a, a play action type of thing. And he was the guy that was most suited. And uh, I look up and now he's a 49er. And now the 49ers get kind of a, a look at a, what was he, the, the 10th overall pick or something like that, yep. you could take a look at that and kind of see if, if you know, being under a real, you know, a quarterback whisper, as they say, as Kyle Shanahan supposedly be, he hasn't had that in his whole career. And, you know, we forget the fact that he's, he was a backup uh, for Tom Brady when well, he was on the practice squad at Tampa, but he has, he has practiced and been in the same meeting rooms with Tom Brady, kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo. So... I think the 49ers, this could look like a brilliant move. I mean, for the 49ers, you get a guy in here who is a who is a good, talented quarterback, and you get the opportunity to kind of take a look at him. And this could be someone that you could, you know, we talked we talked about upgrading your quarterback room. And I think, you know, if he works out, he's definitely an upgrade to this quarterback room. And he's hecka cheap, too. This is a 10th overall pick. I don't know how you evaluate him in two games. Just two games left in the season, but it intrigues me with you know this guy's career, you know where he started from, and the team kind of moves on from him. He goes to Miami. He doesn't really have anything in Miami. Then he's on a practice squad, and now here he is now on an active roster. But he's he's on an active roster of a team who has a lot of weapons and and has that run game and working on an offensive line. It, it intrigues me a lot to see what happens with this guy. Well, let's go back to that 2018 draft. First overall pick was Baker Mayfield. Third overall pick was Sam Darnold. Uh, obviously, both uh, starters where they're where they're at right now uh, with the Browns and with the Jets. And then you had Josh Allen go number seven. It took him a couple seasons to come around, but obviously Josh Allen, uh, I think, unquestionably playing the best football out of that group. Although Baker Mayfield is is you know helming a good Browns team this year, Josh Allen uh, is is emerging into a star. And then after those guys. Josh Rosen was the next quarterback picked at number 10 right after the 49ers picked at number nine because that number 10 spot could have gone to the 49ers had they lost the coin flip at the NFL Combine that year to Oakland. But the 49ers beat the Raiders in the coin flip, went up to number nine, nabbed Mike McGlinchey, who we can talk about later in this podcast, and then Oakland traded out of number 10. The Cardinals traded up to grab Josh Rosen because that was before Cliff Kingsbury was the coach there. So, uh, you know, old staff gets fired. Cliff Kingsbury takes over. They had a season of Josh Rosen under their belts, and Rosen was was terrible efficiency-wise. I haven't seen numbers worse than Josh Rosen's numbers from 2018 and 2019, so we should put it out there. And that's in two different spots in – uh, Arizona, and then in Miami. But that comes with a huge, huge asterisk. Every single measurement that there is that, that gauges offensive line play 
rated Arizona's 2018 offensive line and Miami's 2019 offensive line the two worst lines in the NFL pass blocking wise by a lot, by a huge margin. I mean, the Miami line, for example, last year made this 49ers line that we see right now look like the Great Wall of Dallas from the 1990s. I mean, th- these were horrific offensive lines that Josh Rosen was playing behind. So you can understand, Matt, why uh, you know, the, the, there there is reserved optimism, at least from some people surrounding the 49ers that, you know, maybe they can salvage Josh Rosen. He's still only 23 years old. He's been in two horrific situations in college. He went through three offensive coordinators in three years. Um, so he hasn't had any continuity at, at any level beyond high school. And um, hey, he does seem to fit the mold of quarterback that Kyle Shanahan would want, right? You know, a guy that can deliver from the pocket and has the arm, first round talent to distribute the ball around the field. So maybe over these two weeks, even if he doesn't play, uh, the 49ers can see if he is absorbing the offense or at least starting to absorb the offense at a level that's enough to, to sign him for an offseason contract in 2021 and then let him, let him uh, compete in training camp come next season. You don't get drafted 10th uh, overall unless you've got a good arm. So he does have, and, and Robert Sala noted that this today, um, he's got a, a first-round arm, and uh, you know Nick Mullins. No, he doesn't have a first-round arm. Jimmy Garoppolo's got a, a quick release, um, but uh, isn't really known for his arm strength. Probably C.J. Beathard has the best arm on this team, and it'll be interesting to. Uh, I don't know if we'll again, like Dennis said, we'll, we'll get to see Josh Rosen this year. But um, you know, the, the question would be, what's in it for for Josh Rosen? That was the question when the 49ers were were searching for a practice squad uh, quarterback or somebody to snatch off of uh, another team's practice squad this week. Why would uh, a guy want to leap uh, from the team that he's been with for for most of the season to the 49ers for just two weeks? And uh, the answer is that uh, a um, you know, Rosen probably sees a, an opening here. Um, C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins are both free agents. We've been talking about that. Uh, there's a lot of reason why the 49ers should move on from that. So uh, I'm sure that Rosen and his agent looked at the situation and said, oh, gee, at the very least, uh, we, we might be able to have a shot uh, you know, to be able to compete in the offseason with not a lot of uh, established quarterbacks there. And then, of course, it, you know, we, we also will, it'll come down to the Garoppolo situation or not. I don't, I don't think uh, Kyle Shanahan thinks that uh, Rosen is Garoppolo's replacement. If he thought that, uh, the 49ers had 15 other weeks to, to obtain Rosen from uh, the Buccaneers practice squad. But, um, yeah, he's, at, at, you know, nothing else. He's very interesting on a team that is going to have some quarterback openings in the offseason. I think you, you hit it on the head right there. He's probably followed the 49ers at some point, and he's he's seen kind of what the backup situation is. And, you know, he wants to get an opportunity uh, to play in the NFL. And I'm sure this was a team that, you know, when they however they approached him, he probably looked and said, listen, these two guys here – I mean, I could, I can compete for at least a backup position uh, and maybe show what I have. But my question is, I mean, is this a way that the 49ers are looking right now thinking, hey, we got Jimmy Garoppolo here. You know, he's got, is he the guy or is he not the guy? He's, he's on for whatever it is, $24 million. Do we move past Jimmy Garoppolo if this Josh Rosen guy 
works out and we have a quarterback that we don't have to pay that much money for, we get Jimmy off the books and now we can build at some of these other positions. We can pay our tackle, we can pay our linebacker, we can get some cornerbacks in here and with some draft picks, start building this team to compete again. That's that's my question. I mean, this could be a brilliant move by, by John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to get a top 10 quarterback and to move forward with him. What do you guys think? Well, it's all upside, right? They're paying Josh Rosen $88,000 for these two games. They, they signed him to a league minimum contract, which in Josh Rosen's case is $750,000. They only owe him for two seventeenths of the season because they only owe two weekly paychecks to him. So that is the least possible they could have obtained a quarterback for and they needed to obtain a quarterback because Nick Mullins might need Tommy John surgery and uh, Josh Johnson's on the COVID list so you know if Garoppolo's not ready to play yet that means they only had CJ Beathard they had to get a quarterback somewhere and the only quarterback they could get was through another team's practice squad so that way uh, he could clear all the virus protocols before he came uh, came through so why not get the guy with the most upside. So, you know, I agree with you. It's a, it's a no-lose situation for the 49ers. If, you know, Rosen, for some reason, just cannot pick up any of the playbook here in two weeks and uh, the 40, Shanahan has seen enough and he's sure that uh, this guy is the same really bad quarterback that we saw with Arizona and Miami that will never realize that draft potential, you know, fine. They get rid of him and they figure it all out from scratch starting this offseason. Um, and they've only spent $88,000 that they would have spent on some other quarterback that that probably wouldn't stick around. So, you know, I, I like it from the all upside, no downside perspective. And when you do look at the upside, I go back to the age of Josh Rosen, 23 years old, you know, a pro-style quarterback coming out of UCLA. Uh, and when you see that young age with the fact that he hasn't had any continuity since he was playing high school ball at St. John Bosco down in, um, in Southern California, one of those high school powerhouses down there in LA, well, you do wonder. You do wonder if he can at least scrounge backup value out of this. And that's the way that I see it. I see the 49ers keeping Jimmy Garoppolo around because I just don't see any viable alternative that makes them better for sure in the short run. And I think this team wants to win in the short run. So I see Jimmy Garoppolo on this roster in 2021, but I also see it as a legitimate possibility that Josh Rosen is his backup because regardless of the Garoppolo situation, QB2 and QB3, those are open audition spots, especially now Nick Mullins possibly needing a surgery that will keep him out of at least part of the 2021 season. So that audition is wide open for Josh Rosen just to sneak into that 49ers QB2 spot. And then from there, I could see 2022, 2023, if he continues building, if somehow he thrives under Kyle Shanahan, yeah, I think the book is open for anything. So it's a get your foot in the door opportunity for Josh Rosen. Plant the seed and maybe that can bloom into something else. I agree. Again, I don't know much about the quarterback position, but in Arizona, he had, you know, had a bad offensive line. He had one weapon, Larry Fitzgerald, and then he went to Miami, and I don't think he had anything in Miami as far as weapons go that developed. And then, you know, he's practice squad, and, and you know, he I think he might have chose to, to kind of go to uh, Tampa Bay and maybe study under Tom Brady a little bit and, you know, maybe, you know, help his game, you know, learn how to play that quarterback position uh, and then looking for an opportunity to get on to, you know, a 53-man roster. I know he is... He's got to be excited to be matched up with a Kyle Shanahan and a Kyle Shanahan-style offense 
where he can kind of do what he does. And, and that's just deliver from the pocket, like you said, Dave. So I don't know how you evaluate a guy in two weeks, but still, I'm sure he's got to be excited for the opportunity. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, it's certainly intriguing, just to say the least. And, and all the parallels are, are crazy to me, just with the Cardinals and the 49ers based there right now. It's got to bring deja vu to uh, Josh Rosen for sure. It'll be interesting to talk to him for the first time. He hasn't yet been available to the media because this has been such a whirlwind. So that's something we'll keep an eye on. The more pressing matter for the 49ers is Beathard though, and, and we'll see how he does. You know, Matt mentioned the last time they were in Arizona and he just got beaten up, and that was the week before that Thursday night Oakland game where Nick Mullins took over. If we're talking about poor 49ers offensive line performances over the Shanahan era... I think that that performance against the Cardinals that knocked C.J. Beathard out of the you know starting lineup might be at the very bottom or close to the bottom of the list. If you remember, Matt, that was the game that Eric Magnuson had to play center, and I think he snapped <laughs> it over Beathard's head twice, and one of them was like a 40-yard loss or something like that. I mean, it, maybe a foreshadowing of just the total mess that we've seen over the last year at the center position. And that was a lot worse, though, but the 49ers were, were a worse team, so I think it flew a little further under the radar. Yeah, and I, I can't remember who the wide receivers were in that game, but uh, I, I don't think that they were very good. So um, Beathard didn't have a lot of help, and, and that'll be the question, you know, whether he is uh, a better quarterback quarterback than we saw in 2018 with a little bit better offensive line, um, I guess a little bit better receivers, and and he might and and probably will have George Kittle in the lineup too. I mean, at least it is trending or tracking that way um, with Kyle Shanahan saying the other day that if, hey, if uh, George Kittle is healthy, uh, we're not going to hold him out of these games. Uh, That's sort of your duty as uh, as uh, as a team member. Uh, and George Kittle's one of the team captains. He's really the, the soul of this team. So uh, it all makes sense from that, that perspective. And I, and I know a lot of fans um, have a differing uh, opinion on that and don't want to see George Kittle get hurt again. But Shanahan's point seemed to be, you can get hurt in any game, so we're not going to treat these games any, any differently. Uh, but, but back to Beathard, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he's better. I mean, he had a, this has been a, uh, extremely tumultuous year for him. Um, his his brother Clayton was stabbed to death around this time of year a year ago. Um, Beathard kind of went through the whole off season, the whole isolating coronavirus off season with that weighing on him, uh, and it uh, it motivated him. He he kind of revamped himself. Certainly his physique. Uh, he's he's cut now. <laughs> he had a a famous dad bod uh, that, that Kittle made fun of uh, in, in previous seasons. Uh, and, and Kittle's point was that's how Beathard is able to kind of absorb that beating. There's, there's no real, no, no muscles to pull or anything like that. Uh, so it, it'll be at least interesting to, to see him in this game. And it's a big game for him because he is an unrestricted free agent. The, the, the thing that gets me, though, is that 
all these games, and, and we've talked about it, that we saw Nick Mullins struggle and throw interceptions, never at any point did Beathard even get off the bench and, and start warming up. So Shanahan never even had an impulse to go to Beathard, or at least not to the point where Beathard started warming up on the sidelines. So if, uh, if Shanahan's pecking order had Mullins clearly ahead of, of Beathard, and Mullins struggled so badly, what are we going to see from CJ on on Saturday? I mean, I, you know, personally, I'm, I'm hoping it's a nice game. This guy can can use it. But uh, the evidence, uh, Dennis, doesn't doesn't suggest that he's going to do much better than Nick Mullins did. You can keep hoping, but I'm expecting the C.J. Beathard that we've seen. It's going to be a tough game to watch. We're going to see him hold the ball too long. He's not processing things fast enough. He's going to throw interceptions, and he's going to get beat up. So I hope he's got, you know, he like you said, he's been working out or whatever because he's going to get beat up because he's going to take some sacks, take some ha- some hard sacks. You hit it right on the head. I mean, even though we watched Mullins turnovers after turnover, game after game, it was never any talk about going to C.J. Beathard. And we talked about what's his guy looking like in practice. And, you know, now he's going to become a starter and, and I don't expect him to do anything great. I mean, he, he'll he maybe have some good series. You know, this defensive line of, of the Cardinals, they're going to get after him. And uh, it's going to be a tough game. But, again, he, he may be motivated knowing that, yes, he is a free agent and now he's auditioning uh, for a team out there somewhere. And maybe he can come on and ha- have a good showing. But, I, I you know, I'm not expecting anything great. You know, I'm not ex- expecting him to go out and, and, you know, have the game of his life. But it'd be great. But I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. But he's a tough kid, and that's that's the that's the line on on him. He's a tough kid because he's going to take a lot of sacks and throw some picks. Well, it's it's evaluation season now. 49ers are officially out of the playoff race. There are a lot of guys still hurt. The list got longer this week, I think, in large part due to the fact that they are out of contention. So, for example, Richard Sherman's calf injury is back on the injury report. Uh, you know, he hasn't practiced through the first two uh, sessions of the week, so I wouldn't expect to see him this weekend. That opens up another uh, you know, spot in the secondary for uh, a player, maybe like Akella Witherspoon, to put some more good stuff on tape ahead of his pending free agency. And there's a lot of spots in the secondary for the 49ers to fill this offseason, so I'm sure that they don't mind the evaluation tape on a lot of these younger guys because I think they know exactly what they would get from Richard Sherman once he's fully healthy again. I mean, he's he's the wise vet. He's, he's the guy that's going to be in the right place at the right time. The question with Sherman is going to be, will he cost too much, or is he too injury-prone now that, you know, he's advancing in age? But a player like Akella Witherspoon, you know, that's it's been so hot and cold with him throughout, uh, you know, his four-year tenure with the 49ers that it, it's tough to – either for the 49ers or for other interested teams to really know what they're going to get if they do sign him this next year. So I think that makes these final two games significant to watch players like him and to watch how the 49ers continue developing everywhere. You know, you still have Javon Kinlaw up front. You want to see how he finishes this season. You want to see how Brandon Ayuk finishes the season uh, on the offensive end. And then, you know, there's a, a debate right now about whether or not George Kittle should play given the fact that the 49ers are out of it. And Kyle Shanahan is insistent that if he's at 100%, he's not going to set a double standard for anybody on the football team, Matt. Uh, 100% able to protect himself. He'll send George Kittle out there because he feels that he would have to 
you know, to, to maintain the locker room, to maintain the same standard, he'd have to bench all the starters who aren't 100 percent or who are 100 percent just because the 49ers are out of contention. So it sounds like Shanahan really wants George Kittle to play if he's so able to on Saturday. Yeah, and I'm sure George Kittle uh, is champing at the bit to play, too. I mean, so many guys out there, DJ Jones, Kwan Williams, uh, the list goes on and on, who are playing injured right now. I mean, those guys are coming off of ankle injuries. Raheem Mostert was in the same boat. Uh, it would be hard for Kittle to be cleared by doctors to be 100% and then kind of stand on the sideline. That, that would be standing apart from everybody and not being a, a teammate. So that that's a hard that's a hard line to to to, to toe. So I, I, I totally understand it. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, you you hope that nobody gets hurt. But uh, you know, Shanahan's point is that that's that's sort of the game, um, and you, and you've got to play it if you're a hundred percent. Your point about cornerbacks is is interesting. I, I'm doing a, a mailbag later this week, and somebody asked, you know, given all of the free agents, if you look at the guys who are are signed for next season, does that uh, do they have enough guys signed to make this team competitive? And so I sort of looked at the uh, starting lineup or what uh, would be the ideal starting lineup this season and, and which guys are signed for 2021 and which guys aren't. And for the most part, you know, it's still a really talented team. Um, you know, you've got Ayuk and Debo Samuel and Kittle and Mostert and, and all those guys signed for next season. The spot that really leaps out at you when you when you look at it uh, and all the, the blank spaces next to certain positions is the secondary. Um, you know, five spots in the secondary, including nickel cornerback, and only one of those guys, Jimmy Jimmy Ward, is signed for next season. So in, in my mind, uh, for one of those cornerback spots, you need a veteran. Now, whether that's Sherman, uh, Jason Verrett, or a, a veteran from another team, another team's free agent, um, you know, one of those corner spots has to be a guy with a little bit of uh, experience, a little bit of grit in him. So I, I think that's got to be one of the team's top priorities. you got to fill out that, uh, that secondary group because it's thin. There are not a lot of obvious answers, and um, you know, hardly anybody is signed for next season. Yeah, and that's the position that the 49ers are in, but you know, a good way to kind of solve that is you go out and find one of these young perimeter pass rushers. Uh, in co- I don't know who it would be, but, you know, you, you go out and find that and that kind of solves your, your your secondary. But you're right. That secondary you have to figure out. I don't think Richard Sherman's going to be a 49er next season. I don't think Joukowsky Tart's going to be a 49er next season. Jimmy Ward, you said, is already signed. I don't think Akello's going to be a 49er next season. So you have to go out and you have to address that secondary. And I think you invest in your draft and you start building up. I know there's a lot of young guys in the secondary that haven't quite developed yet. But I think you go out and you find some of these uh, cornerbacks and, and you look in, in the free agency, like you said. But I think you start building that secondary with some of these young college kids that can come up and, you know, these long, you know, cornerbacks that can compete here in the NFL now with some of these bigger receivers. But that's going to be a big deal in, in your perimeter pass rusher. Well, they have nine draft picks as we speak so we'll see if they are able to add on to that maybe 10 maybe 11 I don't know because some trades could happen uh if Robert Sala is hired as a head coach I believe the 49ers would pick up an additional third round pick and then you know if some guys walk in free agency that's comp picks 
down the road as well. So that's that's kind of the game that New England has played for the last two decades. And the, the 49ers will have a comp pick in this draft because they didn't re-sign Emmanuel Sanders last year. So they have been playing a bit of the stockpiling game, and that is definitely the most efficient way to reload the roster given the cap situation that they'll be in. I was able to write a breakdown of all that salary cap stuff this year, and it definitely is going to be tight for the 49ers. But on a $185 million cap, it will be doable, assuming that's what the cap will be. Now, maybe it's higher, and that's just going to give the 49ers some breathing room because I think that they've recalibrated their plan of attack to center around that $185 million cap, and that's a lot lower than their initial plan of attack, which is up at something around $210 million. But They've had some time now. They've had a few months to, to circle the wagons and absorb the shock of that uh, lowering and you know, already start working on a couple restructures. They got Lake and Tomlinson earlier uh, this season to, to open up some room, and maybe you'll see another restructure. A, a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo would be a, a primary candidate at this point. Now, a restructure is not a pay cut. A restructure is actually beneficial for the player because they get more guaranteed money immediately. It is difficult to do if ownership is not on board and ownership does not want to front cash immediately. But the 49ers ownership has seemed amenable to uh, restructures in the past. They've seen they've seemed amenable to restructures in the recent past as well with D Ford, Weston Richburg, Quan Alexander they got last year too, and of course now Lake and Tomlinson. So I don't think it'd be surprising to see the 49ers front office do the same here this offseason to open up some spending room. Either way, Matt, uh, it's going to be a whirlwind. I think last offseason was about the 49ers maintaining status quo. One thing they had to do to maintain status quo was the DeForest Buckner trades. That was the big splash, but still they just drafted to basically replace what they lost through that trade uh, with with um, Javon Kinlaw. This offseason, I think we might see an actual tectonic shift of some of the foundational pieces, right? Because they have to. The 49ers have to do this to adapt and survive in an era where uh, some players are aging and some contracts just don't fit within the current reality anymore. Yeah, one guy I'm really curious about and I don't know the answer to this, and I'm I'm uh, sort of uh, curious to to hear what you guys think about it. Is uh, Kyle Uzcheck? I mean, uh, he's been as used and as integral uh, this season as he's ever been. Uh, but do you continue to uh, pay uh, or or have the highest paid fullback in the league when you are in the you know salary cap straits that the 49ers are going to be in? Um, is that a position where you can afford to have the highest paid player or do you go with a, a Josh Hokett or, you know, with, with so few teams looking at or using fullbacks, I, I wonder whether one of your late round picks this year could be used on a, on a fullback who competes with Hokett uh, with the winner replacing Kyle Juszczyk. Um, you know, I, I, I go back and forth in my own mind about whether they'll, uh, they'll pay to resign him, but I'm, uh, I'm curious, uh, to what you guys think, Dennis. I think in Kyle Shanahan's offense, you know, you, you need that fullback and you need that versatile fullback and use is so unique because he's a great blocker, uh, but he's also a great threat out the backfield. And that, that fits into a Kyle Shanahan's offense, kind of sneaking him out, getting him matched up 
with a linebacker or, you know, a cornerback, a smaller cornerback, and then getting those wheel routes and getting the ball in his hands. But he could be one of those guys that you can maybe sit down and maybe, you know, restructure. I don't know. I don't know what his contract is, but I'm sure he understands that there's not many places in the NFL that still uses a fullback. And I think he appreciate, you know, his role here with the 49ers. So he could be a guy that you, you know, you might want to sit down with and say, hey, how do we restructure this and free up a little cash for you? But I think if Kyle has a decision, he keeps him around and figures figures out a way to keep him part of this football team. This is something I'm thinking about writing about and doing a deeper dive into this offseason because when I've just had a cursory look at the stats of the 49ers run game with and without check on the field, it's a huge difference. There are two blockers that this running game really needs, and they are named Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle. And I think that one of the reasons why they're such valuable blockers is not because of their blocking ability, but because of the, the fact that they're threats to run a pass pattern on these potential running plays. I just think it keeps the defense honest in you know ways that the defense otherwise cannot be kept honest. It doesn't matter how many good linemen you throw out there. Those guys aren't eligible to catch a pass. But when you have Kyle Juszczyk, when you have George Kittle out there, it really makes play action a true threat. And I, Kyle Shanahan loves that adaptability. I think his offense is 100% based on that. Run first, play action off the run. And the ultimate Swiss Army knives, the pieces that – you know, are the glue to making that interplay work are the players who can do both, who can block and also go out there and catch a pass. So I absolutely think that Juszczyk is very high on the priority list. And then I think that Trent Williams is high on the priority list because he, he showed up after a year off, played at a Pro Bowl level this year. Uh, the 49ers didn't have to worry about that left side, you know, left tackle side of the offensive line whereas they have to worry about literally every single other position on that offensive line. So if you're the 49ers, you need to make progress on the offensive line. It can't be four of the five blockers are below average. You need to make that three of the five or maybe even two of the five blockers being below average. And the problem is if you let Trent Williams go, all of a sudden you're taking a step back when you really need to be taking steps forward along that offensive line this offseason. You need to patch up the holes, and there have been a lot of them. And, and that's why I expect, uh, you know, Matt, them to, to bring Trent Williams back to make sure that left tackle you know, side is solidified, and then they need to turn their attention to center and, and right guard. Yeah, I mean, I think Trent Williams is atop that list of 40 free agents that are uh, about to hit the market in, in March. And, and if he's not re-signed, then that becomes their, their number one draft target, I think. And that means that they can't use that, uh, that, that top pick on a cornerback or on a defensive end or on a safety. A lot of these other areas where, where they're going to be weak. Um, I agree with you. I mean, uh, I think that um, obviously youth check is integral to this offense, integral to what uh, the 49ers do. I just, uh, you know, there's a reason why he's the highest paid fullback. I mean, there was competition to to sign him back in 2017. Um, and uh, I think Robert Sala might be the the linchpin to use check this year, because if he goes somewhere, let's say he goes to Jacksonville or to Detroit, he's probably going to bring with him uh, one of the, the 49ers offensive coaches whether it's Mike McDaniel or Mike LaFleur, probably Mike LaFleur. So 
then that means that they're going to be running the Kyle Shanahan offense too. All of a sudden, that means a, what, a fourth, a fifth team that's running this offense. Uh, Jacksonville, David, you know this more than anybody, um, has a lot of salary cap space too. So uh, it becomes a bidding war when you're one of the teams that don't have a lot of space in the salary cap. You're probably going to bow out of that bidding war at some point. Uh, so that's sort of what I'm I'm thinking. You know, a lot of that is conjecture, of course, but I think it's going to be interesting in March with some of these guys. This offseason, I think, is going to be is going to be interesting with the you know with the salary cap where it's going to be. The 49ers having so many holes. I mean, it, it's it's hard to say this for the team that competed for a championship just last season, but. This team has a lot of holes. You know, you have your pass rushing, your you know, your linebackers are good and solid, but your secondary, you have to your offensive line, uh, you have to figure out this running back situation and see if you can get someone in who can stay healthy. I mean, these running backs drop like flies. And then your special teams, you need to go out and find something something on special teams that can hopefully flip the field for you on, you know, punt or kickoff or something like that. So your receivers are strong, but I think the offseason, when you see, you know, all the guys who are restricted free agents or unrestricted free agents, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Kyle Shanahan and, and, and John Lynch do to build this team back up uh, and get ready for, you know, next season. You got two weeks now, you evaluate what you got in the building, and then but you still have to go out and figure out what you're going to do to hopefully get this team. They talk about this brick by brick start getting some more bricks in this 49ers roster. Well, they have so many different ways to skin this cat, right? They can focus on the interior line with the early picks. They can focus on the defensive backfield. They can focus on the offensive line. I think all of those positions will require plenty of attention. So that's why they want as many of those draft picks as possible. And uh, it's going to be tough to guess which way the 49ers will go until we actually see them pull the trigger on one of these first moves. So there's going to be a lot of speculation over the next couple of months, but I guess that's what makes it all really fun. And it's going to give us plenty of material to talk about, because like I said, we went through some dry times, guys. It was after the Super Bowl, so everybody still wanted to talk about 2019 and the collapse against the Chiefs. But that boredom that everybody felt with everybody locked in their houses throughout March and April before free agency and the draft. If you think about it right now, the four, there wasn't a lot of drama surrounding how the 49ers were going to be constructed. We knew that they just wanted to turn around, run it back, try to squeeze at least one more run in with that general core. And I'm not saying that the, the core is going to be totally different next year, but they're going to have to start making you know a lot more sacrifices, a lot more big decisions with all these contracts expiring and with the cap crunching on them. So this time around, there's actually going to be maybe too much to talk about at some point. I'm not saying there's too little last year, but there's a lot more this time around. So it's going to be exciting. Anyway, next week, same thing. We're going to start plowing forward toward the offseason. Maybe we'll have some more Josh Rosen talk next week based on what happens here with 49ers Cardinals. Really quickly, I know we have to make the predictions every week. They don't really matter at this point anymore. I think the 49ers are going to lose 31 to 17 this week. What do you think, Matt? Uh, 27-20 Cardinals. Uh, We have to give our Weekly shout out to Dennis for getting his right last week, but uh, for me, it this game, me. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt, this, it hurt. this game, uh, you know, goes boils down to Bethard. I mean, if if Nick Mullins was ahead of Bethard in the pecking order, and we saw what Nick Mullins could do, what are we going to see from Bethard on Saturday? That's what has me a little bit scared for the 49ers. Yeah, it's going to be a scary game, and we didn't even talk about this Cardinals defense and you know their front 
their front four and, and what they can do, get after opposing quarterbacks. So CJ, oh, I hope he surprises the heck out of me, but I, I don't think he will. I think it'll be 35-17 Cardinals. It'll make all the draft positioning people happy. I just find that to be such a stressful life. There's so many people on Twitter that are just so obsessed with every single slot in the draft. And you just have to realize that, hey, even when the 49ers have had a top five pick, it hasn't necessarily gone right. I mean, you go back to Solomon Thomas, obviously didn't play like a top five pick. I'm one of those people that just likes to chill out about that, play the games. Right, Dennis? There's got to be something, the competitive culture in a team. You know, when a team wins some some games – let that foster itself and then see where you draft afterwards, right? As a player, you got to like that. Yeah, players aren't worried about draft picks. If you're a defensive lineman, you don't want to bring in another Nick Bosa. Yeah, exactly. Now, now you're it playing makes for it your own for job. You. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, players are not worried about draft picks at all. And, you know, be competitive. This is your job. If you go out and you don't have a good showing and they draft a D lineman, guess what? Your job is in jeopardy. So yeah, players are playing for their livelihood every snap. Yeah, and that and every, you know, we're talking about all these guys being free agents. Matt made that piece, 40-plus of them. So all of those guys need to work on their resumes this offseason. And your resume is your game tape. So you have to put the very best possible material onto your resume during these final two games because a lot of football teams, including the 49ers, are going to be looking at that. So the whole obsession with losing and it would be better to lose and all this and all that doesn't really matter because these players are going to put the best they can on film and then we'll find out where the team picks after all is said and done. So we'll talk about that then. Anyway, tune in after the game, 49ers Cardinals on Saturday. I believe that's the game that you can only watch on Amazon Prime unless you're in the Bay Area or in the Phoenix area. Then it's actually on TV. I'm actually not in the Bay Area right now, so I'm going to have to watch it on Amazon Prime. That's going to be a new new experience. But uh, that's on Saturday. Tune in after, and we will all break down the game, and then we'll be a little bit closer to this crazy 49ers offseason. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you guys next time.